0: What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. What is going on, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast. It's a Tuesday. It's a day after the Reds absolutely clobbered The Pittsburgh Pirates at Great American Ballpark. It's a great day to be a Reds fan. We're going to talk about that briefly and then get into some trade deadline conversations and even get to a couple of your calls. But before we start, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. The Himalaya podcasting app, Podbean, who knows what else. There's lots of podcasting apps, I'm sure. You can find it there, and then just hit that little subscribe button for me. Then, follow us on Twitter, at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr, with three Fs, and hit us up on the LockedOnReds line, 513-549-0159. As I mentioned, We'll get to a couple of those calls later on, but first, let's jump into Monday night's game. The Reds win 11-6, to and it was an absolutely crazy night for the Red Legs as they scored 10 of those 11 runs in the bottom of the second. That's right. Every single starter, if they were in the lineup before the game started, they scored at least one run. Jesse Winker and Josh Van Meter managed to score twice. And actually, Josh Van Meter scored in, twice in the second inning. It was just a crazy inning. And it kind of started whenever the Pirates made a trade. The Pirates, just hours before Monday night's game, traded their probable starter, who's Jordan Lyles, to Milwaukee. So they had to bring up bring up a emergency spot starter guy named Alex McCray. And I cannot imagine that they were banking on too many innings from him. Probably hoping for at least a couple. But Clint Hurdle ended up pulling him after just four outs. An inning and a third. And he gave up a lot of hits. Gave up a lot of runs. Seven runs. Only five of them were earned. There was a very terrible error by Josh Bell in the second inning. Whenever Josh... Van Meter hit a ground ball straight to him the bases were loaded and Josh Bell picked it up and went to throw it home to get the lead runner and rolled it well he bounced it it just it was a terrible throw it looked like Mark Mallory trying to throw out the first pitch a lot of people use that gif on the wonderful twitter.com to describe what happened but it really did it looked like Mark Mallory's first pitch there it's just a terrible throw pulled the catcher off of home plate allowed the run to score allowed the inning to continue with just one out on the board and it wasn't doing the pitcher any favors because at that point they brought in the reliever from Alex McCrae they brought in Montana Durapo. And, you know, stop me if you've heard either Alex McRae or Montana Durapo's name before, but I myself have not, so I wasn't sure what to expect from them. Sometimes the Reds tend to make these guys look good. That didn't happen on Monday night as Jose Iglesias clubbed the grand slam off of Montana and capped off the 10-run second inning Jesse Winker ended up scoring on a wild pitch in the 5th inning which is what gave the Reds 11 runs. There was a slight scare. I won't say that I was sitting on the couch worried that the Reds would lose the game, but in the 6th inning Sonny Gray was having trouble throwing strikes, having trouble, you know, getting guys out, so they pulled him with one out in the 6th in favor of Juan De Peralta. Now, Peralta promptly got the first out via strikeout, and then he walked the guy, and then he loaded the bases, and then he gave up a grand slam to the third baseman for Pittsburgh, Colin Moran, and that was his second home run of the year off of a left-handed pitcher. It's been a few games this year, and he's only got two home runs off of lefties, one of them off of Wandy Peralta, and one of them is a grand slam. But that is what made the score 11-6, and nothing else happened after that as Jared Hughes and Robert Stevenson came in for the final two and a third innings to shut down the Pirates and get the win. So it was a nice win for the Reds. That's now their sixth win in their last nine games, third in a row. As we roll into the trade deadline, I don't know that their position has changed at all. I mean, I know we talked about, oh buyer, seller, whatever. They're a mixture, right? Dick Williams has said that. They're not looking for anybody that is a rental. They're looking for multiple years of control, guys who can open the playoff window, that sort of thing. So that the, the fact that they've had this recent success has not changed that at all. And, you know, they had quotes from David Bell who's just like, you know, I'm happy with the clubhouse we have. I don't see that we need to add anything. And that's awesome that he said that, but he kind of has to say that. Because think about this. If you're David Bell and somebody asks you about the trade deadline and what you think about that, and if you say, yeah, you know, we can always improve and all that different stuff, then someone's going to push you to see where you think you need to improve, and then you're going to end up throwing somebody under the bus. So of course he's not going to say that he's like, oh yeah, 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 bring him in, bring him in. He's not going to say that. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got all of these rumors swirling around about different guys, who's coming, who's going. There's always been an inkling of a rumor. I'm not going to say that it's a foregone conclusion or even a strong rumor about Clint Frazier from the Yankees. Clint Frazier, a very good young talent, under control for a couple of years, and he's blocked by the log jam that they have in the outfield in New York. But Brian Cashman, I saw something that Ken Rosenthal wrote on The Athletic, that Brian Cashman is looking for a pitcher with Multiple years of control for Clint Frazier. So there we go. You know, even the guys, even the teams that you figure are the traditional buyers who are probably, you know, looking for that rental piece to get them over the hump in 2019, like the Yankees, even they are using the caveat of we want multiple years of control. So who knows who's going to budge. There's now a lot of reports coming out that the Reds probably won't do anything. Even though in that same article, Ken Rosenthal notes that the Reds could be one of the most active teams at the trade deadline. Those of us here around Cincinnati know that they are typically not active at the trade deadline. So, who knows what's going to happen, honestly. It's going to be very interesting the next 48 hours or so. I'm trying to think. Math. Math wise probably like 36 hours not 48 hours but whatever anyway that means it's time to take a break don't go anywhere we'll be right back with more trade talk and also some locked on reds line
2: voicemails this on podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, And free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast here on a Tuesday. It was intriguing last night to see. The Reds were pulling a couple of different guys in favor of some rest whenever they had the big lead, and Yasiel Puig was one of them. He was pulled in the double switch whenever Wandy Peralta came in in the 6th, and some speculated that maybe this was hashtag hug watch time. And if you're unfamiliar with the hashtag of hug watch, that's, you know, when a player gets traded and it's in the middle of the game, he goes around hugging his teammates as in, you know, hey, been fun playing with you. I'm going somewhere else now. There wasn't really any of that, and after he was pooled, he was not seen sitting in the dugout, so who knows? Maybe he is involved in a deal. There's multiple reports out there that say that the Reds have explored uh, teams that may be interested in him, a big bat in their lineup for the stretch run, but again, he does fit the rental player uh, definition, so who actually is looking for that? No idea. We know the Dodgers aren't one of them because the Dodgers wrote like 100,000 articles about how much they hated Yasiel Puig whenever they traded him to Cincinnati, and I still think that they're full of crap for doing that because Yasiel Puig is pretty awesome. But other than that, there was a funny thing on Twitter, and, and I say funny, it wasn't funny in and of itself, but Clint Frazier had a tweet, it was about 10 o'clock last night, and uh, there's two ways you could go about deciphering this tweet. The first way is this. Clint Fraser's tweet said, H D H D T S D G I D R S F J H E F Z and seven exclamation points. Or you could go about deciphering it as, Either way, I don't know what it means. I, there were a lot of Yankees fans that were immediately commenting on the tweet, as in, "Oh yeah, thanks for the misdirect. You're trying to, you're trying to goad us into believing that you just got traded for Trevor Bauer, or Madison Bumgarner, or whatever." I just thought it was hilarious, and I, I, I know what he's doing. He's just doing that to see what sort of reaction he can get out of people. And the saddest thing was, and, and of course I was one of them, I retweeted it, but more out of humor than out of anything. He sends this gibberish tweet out to the wonderful twitter.com at around 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Monday night. And he got 1,687 likes, 391 retweets, and 396 comments. You don't think people are starving for information on this trade deadline. It's been hilarious because there's been nothing. Like there's this rumor or that rumor, but it's really just grumblings or this team isn't not saying he's not available. You know, crap like that that anybody could report. You don't have to have inside information to say, well, the Reds aren't not listening to offers for Jose Iglesias. Yeah, sure, you could say that all day. But with this whole hard and fast trade deadline for July 31st there were there was some reports that a couple of the owners approached the players association or something of that nature the players association was talking about maybe pushing the trade deadline back to August 15th next year is 2 weeks really going to make that big a difference if a team does not understand Where they sit in the playoff race, whether or not they can go for it this year, if they don't know that right now, are they going to have that much more clarification on August 10th? Because think of it this way. There are 12 days between now and August 10th, right? Yeah. 12 days, 12 possible games between now and August 10th. If the Reds won all 12 of those games, that would be amazing, by the way. But if they won all 12 of those games, they'd be seven games over 500. And what did we say? There was a lot of reporting going on as to how many wins you need to get to that second wildcard spot. It's about 87 wins. So that would put them right on the cusp of that. That would give them 88 wins if they just went 500 from then on but does that change things for them if, if if the reds if i told you right now that right now this moment from here on out the reds will make that second wild card spot they'll make a run get the second wild card does that change things for them are they going to go after a rental player are they going to go trade an asset are they going to trade jonathan india for a guy who's only going to be playing for a couple of months for the Reds and probably go to free agency and not come back to Cincinnati. I don't think so. It shouldn't because that would jeopardize what's going to happen in these next couple of years. The window's still just opening. You add a couple of weeks, that doesn't change things. To me, it's just the owner's... And and the front offices of the baseball teams are just like, well, we banked so hard on that waiver trade deadline period during the month of August in in years past, and we just don't know what to do. That's just terrible planning on their part, and they don't need to be bailed out for terrible planning. The trade deadline is July 31st. I don't need to back this up anymore because there's been no – I mean, there's been a couple of trades, obviously Marcus Stroman, and, uh, you know, the wonderful trade of Jordan Lyles. I'm sure everyone was – waiting on that and Sergio Romo and a couple of other guys here or there. The Indians got a couple of who cares and I don't know from the Rays for someone that doesn't matter. So I think everyone is just starved for the blockbuster deal. They're waiting for the big name. Some folks were thinking, Oh, Madison Bumgarner, he's gonna be traded And then Edwin Diaz and Noah Sendergaard, they'll probably be traded or Things like that, you know, Robbie Ray, which I don't think Robbie Ray moves the needle for as many people as it may sound, but that's how starved people are for the interesting trades is that they're lumping Robbie Ray in there. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a great young pitcher, but he's not a guy that I'm just like, if the Reds are a Robbie Ray away from a World Series, that's just not going to happen. So you move the trade deadline back, it doesn't really change anything for the Reds. Maybe it changes something for another team, but there is a vast group, just a conglomeration of teams in the middle, especially in the National League. The Reds are still kind of part of this middle. They're not crazy out of it. I still don't think they're going to make a playoff run this year. But they're not mathematically eliminated. They're not like impossibly eliminated from the playoffs at this very moment here, July 30th on a Tuesday, 2019. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they're a part of like 10 teams that could see themselves making a wild card run. And that is what has hamstringed this trade deadline to the point where they're just waiting for someone to move. I kind of thought Marcus Stroman would be the first straw to fall and then everything would start rolling, but that just hasn't happened yet. Today and tomorrow up until 4 p.m. is going to be a very interesting time. Anyway, that's enough about that. Let's do one voicemail before we go. Hi, Jeff. It's Stuart
1: uh, from uh, Florence, Kentucky. I just wanted to make some comments about the uh, trade rumors about Skewer Jeanette and the league, I honestly think it's insane. And because the reason why I think it's insane is because we could, we could easily get a top three second baseman in the major leagues uh, when he's healthy for a discount uh, or, or, or cheap. Um, 'Cause he, he, he loves uh Cincinnati. He's grow, grown up around Cincinnati. I think it would be absolutely crazy to trade skewers in it unless we got somebody extremely, extremely good for him. But and then we got Yasiel Puig, uh big fan favorite, uh of the Wild Force and uh, I think that it's just as crazy. Uh, they're not gonna find a, a another uh, right fielder is uh, just as good as Yasiel Puig, and, and and personally, um, people people on Twitter are, have been commenting on um, Yasiel Puig and saying that Philip Phil Urban can take his spot. Now I don't, I don't think I I agree with that whatsoever because um, Philip Urban is not, is not near as good as Yasiel Puig is, and 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 every and every category. Um, power, defense, arm, uh, it's, it's, it just can't be done. Now, so we agree, by far the best option for us, and I think we can uh re-sign those players. So I, I'm, I'm extremely um, – I'm, I'm, ex- I'm kind of mad about it, honestly. But I'd like to hear your opinion about, about this issue. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm big fan, man. And go Reds.
0: Thanks so much for the call, George. And I I definitely agree with you on the Yasiel Puig take. I'd love to see him in Cincinnati for another couple of years, two, three, maybe even four. Who knows just how much it's going to take to get that done. But I feel like the Reds can pony up that money and pay him, uh, you know, hopefully not too crazy of an amount to keep him in here. But I think they could keep him in Cincinnati. Now, as to the other point, I like Scooter. I, I, I want to preface what I'm about to say with the fact that I love Scooter. He's a fun dude to root for. I love that they've gotten him from the Brewers for nothing. They claimed him off waivers. And he's just had a couple of years where he kind of was like a show me, you know, show you know show everyone how good he really is. And he's had a couple of great years. The problem is, number one, there's they're not going to get – Much of value from Scooter Jeanette on the trade market. It's just not going to happen because of his injury and because he didn't really come back from the injury firing on all cylinders. He's had a couple of straight games where he's gotten multi-hits. It looks like he's starting to come around. And I do agree with you, when he's healthy, he's an excellent second baseman. Here's the thing, though. The future for the Reds' second base is not him. And, and, and I, I I like Scooter. I'm not saying that he's not a good dude. He's not awesome. I don't know that he would give the Reds a hometown discount. And I don't think that he has to. It's not something that we've got to look at Scooter and be like, yo, you've got to take less money, dude. Like, I'm all for a player getting paid as much as he can get paid. But number one, I wonder how much that's going to be given where he's at in his career. He was kind of a late bloomer. And now that he's getting into his early 30s, it may be an interesting time for him. As like, you look at some of the second basemen on last year's market. That's why the Reds got Derek Dietrich and even Jose Iglesias to an extent. On minor league deals, the middle infield market, and specifically second base, was super saturated. You had guys like Jed Lowry, who batted over three hundred last year for the Oakland A's, who couldn't get a job until spring training. So I wonder exactly what's going to happen with Scooter on the free agent market. But beyond that, the Reds have guys like, I still think Jose Peraza could be a valuable second baseman, and if not, at shortstop. And then you've got guys like Josh Van Meter, who there's many of Red's Twitter and, and people who watch the Reds every single day that say Josh Van Meter needs to be playing every day, and he needs to be playing every day at second base. He's the kind of guy that could play second base. Nick Senzel is an otherworldly talent at second base. So if they could find a center fielder, maybe to put in center field, they can move Senzel to second base where he's – best utilized defensively even though he's been pretty good center field defensively but i i think that it's a situation as tough as it is to say if they can find a trade for scooter they should look to see if they can pull the trigger on that because i don't think they're gonna sign him. if they if they were they would have already done so before this year but that's just my take on the matter we'll see how it all plays out there's less than two days left before the trade deadline After 4 p.m. on Wednesday, we will have a clear picture of what the Reds roster will look like the rest of the season, barring injuries, of course, and we will go from there and talking about who we want to see the rest of the way. That's going to do it for us here on today's episode of the Lockdown Reds Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Make sure you are subscribed on all the many podcasting platforms. Check us out on Twitter at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And then give us a call on the Lockdown Reds line at 513 549 0159. This is the Lockdown Reds Podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.